Welcome back to Education Disruption. A few times every year, the Hairpin team, the team responsible for producing this podcast, visits MAP Academy, an alternative high school in Plymouth, Massachusetts. We usually interview students, teachers, the co-founders, and we talk all about their experiences at a high school that does things differently. In our most recent visit to MAP Academy, we started the conversation by talking about phones in the classroom and how different MAP's approach to this topic is, and it quickly led to a much bigger conversation. And coming off of those conversations we had with students, teachers, and the leadership at MAP Academy, we decided to apply to share these ideas at South by Southwest EDU. It quickly became apparent that the topic of power struggles was important to everybody involved in a school ecosystem, and MAP's approach is really unique. In today's episode, I'll be having a short conversation with MAP co-founder Rachel Babcock on the topic of power struggles in schools and MAP's approach. This short conversation is hopefully a preview of a much longer conversation we'd like to have at South by Southwest EDU, and you can help us get there by voting for us on the panel picker, which we will link in the description of this podcast episode. We came to do some interviews and talk to students and staff and yourself and your fellow co-founder. Uh, as we usually do at, throughout the year about different topics. This time we were starting the conversation by talking about phones and cell phone use in the school because MAP is really unique in that respect. And it sort of grew into a big conversation about power. Actually, each each category of person we interviewed touched on power and really brought it back to the topic of power in some way. So I wonder, before we get into the power aspect, can you maybe just talk about how MAP is different from other public schools in terms of its like cell phone and device policy? Mm -hmm. So just like in just about every other way that MAP is different, we are really have built a culture based on empowering our students to have the supports that they need to be able to meet their personal and their academic goals. And so We've built an environment in which our students have tremendous autonomy and the space that they need to make that progress. So um, we are built on natural consequences and we're really trying to focus always on what our students' skills are for after high school. And so after high school in the world outside of public school, they're learning to manage one's devices um, appropriately, to communicate appropriately in a professional setting, and even in, in personal relationships is not something that's dictated by other people. It's something that uh, we are all expected to do and to manage, just like we're expected to be on time and we're expected to be able to juggle our responsibilities. We are also expected to be able to manage our personal devices. And so... We know that in order for our students to be able to do that outside of high school, they need practice doing it inside high school. So it's we are not of the belief that restrictions are the way to help our students learn. Um, so it's the same with having an open campus. We have an open campus for lunch. There's pros and cons to that. But it, ultimately, our students need to be able to manage that. They need to have the autonomy to make the mistakes so that they can learn. And so this entire environment is based on that. So we give a lot of the of the control to our students. 
And sometimes yeah. quite honestly, they're not, they're not ready. They may not be ready, but um, they have a better chance at getting ready if they have an opportunity to practice in a safe environment than they do if we res restrict the response of adults tends to be to restrict, 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 restrict. And the less ready a kid is, the more we restrict, the less likely they're ever going to be ready. Give them the opportunity to actually learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. Are there any like unique challenges? Because it's a unique policy, obviously, in relation to other schools. Um, I, I mean, mm -hmm. I heard teachers speak about this and it actually sounded like almost a bit freeing because it is based on national uh, uh, natural consequences that um, mm -hmm. if a, if a student is, you know, on their phone and not ready to learn or not ready to engage, a teacher doesn't really have to kind of beat their head against the wall to get the student engaged. It's kind of like, okay, well, when you're not earning credits, you can, you'll fall behind and you'll learn that consequence. But I wonder mm -hmm. like what kind of challenge that presents and how you help your staff navigate that because it is like you do want to help them navigate mm -hmm. it and engage but it's mm -hmm. and pull I assume yeah it definitely is and it also has to do with what it can change from you know from hour to hour from day to day month to month I mean you know our students by and large our students come to MEP Academy because wherever they were before wasn't working for them and so there's a lot of they have complex situations complex lives um and I think that giving our teachers the ability to not create power struggles, I mean, power struggles are really um, are pretty unproductive. They cause a lot of stress for staff when they're expected to be enforcing rules that back them into a corner, that make them feel like they're only doing their job if they're basically playing, playing law enforcement, rule enforcement all the time. It's not good for relationship building. It's not good for trust. It, it isn't productive for students because they will, uh, most of our students are quite good as most adolescents are at engaging in power struggles. They're pretty relentless about it. Actually, it's developmentally pretty appropriate um, for adolescents to engage in power struggles. Um, and it's also really unproductive. So I think that by, we focus on safety first. So, you know, the devices are part of that, right? Students need to observe norms. They need to, their device use needs to not be negatively impacting people around them. They, we, um, when we become aware of things that if they're using, they're, they're not to be, you know, clearly they shouldn't be um, invading anyone else's, um, not only their ability to be productive, but their space, right? So they can't use their device to record people without authorization or take photos. They can't use their device if they're using their devices. I mean, we can't legislate social media, but we certainly are setting expectations of behavior um, in terms of how this needs to be a safe environment. So there's boundaries around device use. They can't be using their devices in a way that's causing harm to others. But if they're using their device for communication or music or games or they're just endlessly scrolling, they're passing their time, they're distracting themselves, they're then, you know, we don't need to make a power struggle out of that lack of productivity. That's essentially a lack of productivity. So we definitely want our students to put their devices away when they're, they need to be able to make eye contact. They need to respond when people speak to them. They need to, it's, it's not like we're, you know, tolerating students being rude, but if their device is preventing them from making academic progress, then the person that suffers there is them ultimately.
So we need to work and our staff need to work on helping that student to rec- have the motivation to recognize. But sometimes to recognize that their effort is what's going to help them make progress. But also sometimes what's happening is very valid. Like, we, and we don't need to be the judge and the jury of whether or not a student is having an important, a meaningful conversation, a valuable conversation, whether or not they're trying to get their direct deposit set up for their job, or whether or not they're trying to arrange a ride home, or whether or not they're having some sort of, you know, conflict with someone important in their life. Like, that's not our domain to legislate what our students to place value on we have a lot of students who only can use their devices at school because they don't have cell plans so they don't they use wi-fi here um and we have a lot of students that have experienced tremendous amounts of trauma that are juggling like really complicated situations and their phones are their lifelines and so it really doesn't need to be a power struggle it's really not appropriate for it to be a power struggle right and the idea of power struggles, it came up. I was surprised. Uh, I guess I, I maybe I shouldn't have been surprised. But of course, when I interviewed you and your fellow co-founder, of course, the idea of power struggles came up. When I interviewed teachers, they, they very much articulated the idea of the power struggle and, and cell phones. But then even when I interviewed the students, they were even able to pull it out of just being about the phone and really articulate how it really was about a power struggle and how they felt that adults and teachers uh, in their life had always been trying to exert some type of power on them. And this is one example uh, of that. So so I found that really interesting. From the teacher's perspective, um, they pointed out a lot of interesting things about the design about MAP and about um, the kind of situation that it leads to. And the conceit of all this for the listeners is that we presented everybody with a video or several viral videos um, of teachers reacting super aggressively uh, to students having the phones because they work in certain situations where, you know, that that school, the phone's not allowed. Um, And it leads to these really terrible situations. One I think of the most important factors that the students particularly brought up is how unsafe uh, a student can feel after just being screamed at over a phone. Because a lot of the examples we were showing were probably the most extreme examples we could find, right? Uh Teachers yelling at students in front of the rest of the class for having the phone out, maybe not even using it in some cases. Um, Uh So students are really able to articulate that as a safety thing. Um, I wonder, well, I was wondering when conducting interviews, it doesn't seem like MAP explicitly teaches these things to students. It seems like it's just part of the culture. Like, like the students have come to find that, oh, the world doesn't have to be like this. It can be different like it is at MAP. Do you know, like, what do you think contributes to that? I know that's kind of a big question. To the culture? Yeah, the culture and and how well the students can understand and articulate it. Because you all are are busy teaching them high school things. Like you all are teaching them, explicitly teaching Mm -hmm. them like this is how Mm -hmm. we are, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, we just finished our fifth year of operations. And um, one thing that's remained constant, though, um, from the beginning and, and is really a core value of this place is that the student is at the center 
of their own educational journey. And I think what, um, what happens is once they get acclimated, it's such a rare thing for them to feel like they really are um, in charge of their own journey, right? Like they really, we're setting up the conditions under which they can thrive, supporting them, but also expecting them to be the ones that do the heavy lifting of the growth, whether it's academic or personal um, or whatever it is. So I think the reason why it works is that um, it's probably an innate human need to feel autonomy and respect and support and our students and our staff feel that here like they're because it's not just phones that create everything about the American high school experience in most content and not even high school American public education it past elementary school at least is pretty controlled there's not a lot of freedom to do anything you can't leave the room to go to the bathroom without permission you can't like walk around the room you can't have a snack without permission you need to eat at certain times move at certain times sit down at certain times stand up at certain times do your work at certain times like have your phone out at a certain times be on your computer at certain times be tired at certain times be awake at, I mean you really don't have much ability to um have autonomy and I think the part of why the students sort of grasp it here is they there's at the beginning it can be a shock to their systems but I think that once they have it once you have autonomy once you've experienced an environment in which you have your basic needs met including that of autonomy that you really like it and then you want to preserve it and so part of the best things about our culture at this point is that this none of the students while they don't all get along with each other all the time far from it we're not it's not like the goal is not to make a big happy you know it, it, that's not realistic it's not trying to make everybody just like it, but they want to be able to exist here and so they learn to tolerate others existing here too because they recognize the value that this place brings to them and they don't want to lose that so they're willing to meet the culture where it is and to contribute positively to the culture because they recognize the value that it gives to them. For sure. I, I guess the one thing I always come back to every time I do an interview, not just in this instance with students especially, is that traditional American public schools, they spend so much time and effort trying to combat so many things like the phones or like you can't do this at this time. Uh, they're trying to combat things that they think are getting in the way of learning. In the meantime, mm -hmm. they're wasting all <laughs> this time in the way of learning. And, and mm -hmm. it's amazingly, like the students articulate that every time we talk to them. It's like, uh, mm -hmm. I was just listening to music and doing my work, but for some reason now I'm getting yelled at, you know? Mm -hmm. But we're, we're, we are gonna talk a lot more about this, um, hopefully uh, during a live episode at South by Southwest EDU. Um, and people at home can help us get to that and help us get to South by Southwest EDU by voting for our panel on the panel picker, which we'll link in the description of the episode of this podcast. Um, but Rachel, I'm excited to talk more about this. Hopefully, fingers crossed, at uh -huh. South by Southwest. Exactly. Vote us up. And you don't even have to be at South by Southwest EDU, although we would love to. We're looking forward to being there in person. Um but you can also, the episode will be recorded so people will be able to participate that way. 
It's a really interesting conversation with a lot of layers and a lot more to talk about than we just captured here in this short conversation. So if you would like to hear us go deeper into this uh, on a much bigger stage, you know, at South by Southwest EDU, you can help us get there by voting for us on the panel picker, which will be linked in this description. Of course, if you haven't, go back and check out previous episodes of the Education Disruption podcast, and I think you'll find some very moving stories, some very powerful stories about a high school that that does things differently. Thank you to Rachel for taking the time to have this conversation. My name is Nick Tatro. Our editor is Susie Blair. Our executive producer is Kristen Hughes. And this is a Hairpin production.